Blog Talk Radio. There, I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. It's so good to be back. I feel like I haven't done a show in weeks, but I think it's just been two weeks. But sometimes after I get, when I get off my routine, it feels like it's longer than it's actually been. But I'm really excited to be back. Let's talk about some announcements before I get going with today's show topic. First of all, I think I announced this two weeks ago, but Just in case, let me talk about how excited I am that all TeachMeToTalk.com DVDs are now available for ASHA CE credit. So if you ordered those DVDs when they came out in 2008 and 2009 and 2010, you can still get ASHA credit for watching those. It's a simple, simple process. It's really, really cheap. And again, it's something you've already done, so you might as well get credit for it. Um, at, right after the show today, I have a new post titled Earn Ashley Credit that I'll put on the website, and you can take a look at it there at teachmetotalk.com. Right now, if you're listening and you're not going to wait this hour for the show, you can uh, find the information under an article that was posted on February 28, 2014, and it's CEUs available for teachmetotalk.com DVDs. And I think it's, let me look real quick, I think it's about five or six posts or down the page. So go to the home page and then uh, take a look at that. There's also a category that says ASHA CE credit on DVD. So there's a couple of different ways to find it, but I want to make sure that you know about that because again, if, if you've listened to those or watched those DVDs already, it's something you've already done, all you're going to need to do is click the link, follow the process, pay the fee, and then take a little test, email it back to me, and you are done. Boom, finished. So that's a great, great way to earn some extra uh, CEUs this year. Let me also remind you that my courses, Early Speech Language Development Taking Theory to the Floor and Steps to Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, are also on DVD, and so you can get those, um, again, order those through teachmetotalk.com, get those DVDs sent directly to you, you'll get your course manual, all your forms you'll need for your uh, CE credit, you'll send those back to our office, and then you get all that processed for you. So again, if you wanted to come to a conference and not been able to work that out with your schedule, or I haven't been anywhere near you, this is a great, great way to be able to access that information. Now, Early Speech Language Development Taking Theory to the Floor is a 12-hour course. So if you find yourself really, really short on CEUs, that's a great one to do. So it's like attending a two-day course. And then Steps to Building Verbal Imitation is a one-day or a six-hour is how we usually um, do that. There's also a special offer that if you've not purchased that book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, you'll get a discount on that when you order it with the course. So I wanted to um, mention that to you as well. And let me just tell you what some groups are doing. Some agencies are getting together and the agency is purchasing the DVD. And also if they happen to pay for each individual participant, 
you can just add other people on there, and it's a really cheap way to do an in-service or, again, a group continuing education um, event. And I know lots and lots of agencies are taking advantage of that. And I just wanted to mention that in case you've not thought about it that way. If you want to get together with a buddy or two and buy it all together, that will really save yourself some money. And more importantly, you'll get CEUs that are applicable to what you really do. Because I know it is so frustrating to go to a course that's meant for older children, and you have to kind of take that information and, and water it down and make it relevant for our babies and toddlers. And all of my stuff is really, really uh, geared birth to three in that early preschool period or children who are still functioning within that developmental period. So I want you to be sure um, that you know that and can take advantage of that. And also, if you haven't been to one of my courses, People tell me that the course manual they get, especially from the first course, Early Speech-Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor, is unlike any that they've ever received before. There's a copy-ready handout section, so you'll be able to take that information and just pop it in your copier or your scanner or whatever you use for that, and then you've got ready-made handouts to give to families of children that you're working with or other therapists that you're mentoring or, or whatever. So uh, be sure to take advantage of that. One other huge announcement that I want to make is teachmetotalk.com is getting a facelift. I wish I had the, the little sound effects thing where I could push clapping right now so that I could hear some cheers. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Johnny and I have talked about uh, updating the look of the website for a long time, and we just haven't been able to, to do it until now or haven't found somebody that we liked well enough to work with. The comment section is coming back. I think that feature broke in the fall of 2011, and Johnny and I tried to fix it a lot. And it started messing other stuff up, so we just left it alone. Do you ever do that in your real life when you think, oh, something's broken, but I, I can't quite get to it yet? And then you start to fix it, and then it causes other problems. Well, that's what happened with the comment section. Um, at teachmetotalk.com, and so I have not been able to use that um, as much as we did the first three or four years of the, the website's existence. So that feature is coming back, and I am thrilled about it so that therapists and parents can communicate uh, directly and ask questions. And again, I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful uh, benefit to be able to offer readers. Uh, with the launch of the new look for teachmetotalk.com, there are also going to be a couple of freebies that we're offering. And there are a couple different categories with that. There's a parent um, freebie and a professional freebie. And I think there's a way to get both. So if you're not sure which one you want, a lot of times therapists <laughs> will say, I'd rather almost have the parent information because then I can use that for education, I can I can take that information and, and tweak it or take it and just use it directly uh, for family education when I'm teaching moms and dads about what to do at home. So I think there's going to be a way to opt in for both of those offers. So I'll be talking about that in the weeks to come. And I think it's going to take until, gosh, probably mid-April before the, the new site is live. But we'll certainly be doing some testing and some focus group kinds of things 
in between um, now and that time. So again, I'm super excited about it, but don't miss the freebies. Let me just go ahead and tell you about one of those is going to be a video, an online video that's so similar to our therapy guides, and I'm using cars. How many of our little friends like to play with cars? So I think the video will be between 30 and 45 minutes, and you'll have an opportunity to see lots of different ideas with what you can do with playing with cars. And this won't just be specific car toys, although some of those kinds of activities will be included, but lots of ideas for when you're going into a home and you're not supposed to take a toy bag anymore if you work in one of those state programs and you need to have some ideas and some things that you can do on the fly that you're prepared to do. So I'm excited about offering that and I want to go ahead and mention that to you and let you know that that's coming up. Okay, let's move on to today's topic. Today we're going to be talking about homemade simple activities that we can do with our little friends, therapy sessions, and more importantly, how we can teach moms to use these same activities at home to target important developmental skills. Now, again, target important developmental skills. If you are a mom and listening to this, that just means learning. <laughs> that just means teaching your child new things. And lots of times we look for something really, really complicated, you know, the newest toy or app or special kind of material to teach some of these developmental skills that our little friends don't have when really we could do the same thing and accomplish the same goals with these really simple homemade activities. Now, I wrote an article about this back in February. So if you are looking at teachmetotalk.com right now as you listen, if you're listening directly from um, the site, take a look at that article. It's five reasons to use simple homemade activities. And again, we're going to walk through these reasons so first of all, you'll know why these things are a good idea. And then secondly, I want to give you additional places that you can look and get some new ideas for these sort of things. So let's just start out by talking about why these games work and why these games are something that every speech-language pathologist and every early interventionist, no matter what discipline you are, should have kind of in your bag of tricks. And again, this doesn't always mean that you're going to make these things ahead and take them to a family's home. And certainly that's what I do because that's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> but if you need things that you can do while you're at a family's home and you need just a repertoire of little ideas in your head, then this show is for you because we're going to talk about several really specific kinds of things that you can do. And again, I want to give you some other resources too so that you can come up with, with things that work for you and that fit for the children that you're seeing and that fit for um, your practice. So but before we get into those, here's the activity, let's talk about why you want to do it. Because if you're a therapist, you need to share this information with parents. You've got to know it before you know how to tell a mom about it. So let's be sure that you understand what you're talking about. These kinds of simple games really do play to so many toddler strengths. Lots of our little guys on our caseloads, especially 
our little guys who were at risk for autism spectrum disorder diagnosis, our little friends that even if they don't have an autism diagnosis now, we think that in the future there are enough red flags that, that that child will likely get that diagnosis at some point. Many of those little guys, of course, struggle with learning language. Words aren't meaningful for them. They aren't, again, picking up uh, associations between what we say and what they're doing and what's happening in real life. However, these are the same kids that can operate your smartphone better than you. <laughs> These are the same kids that 10 years ago we would have said can program the DVR. I guess now they're doing Netflix by themselves. I don't know. But these are the kids that have so many visual strengths. And sometimes therapists think about that and they think, I'm going to go straight to an app. I'm going to take my iPad in and we're going to do this app. And this is, this is what we're going to do because of this visual strength. Let me encourage you to take a step back from that. And think about still using that strength or that splinter skill with these kinds of little clients, but in a more traditional way through play. So again, these kinds of really simple homemade, and I keep saying activities, but what I really call these with parents are, I call them games. I say, let me show you these, this little game I made. Because again, a parent will understand that better and I think it makes it more playful and it just uh, brings a new connotation to that so that they're understanding this is something that we want to use not only in a therapy session but throughout the week, not just for speech time, not just when, when developmental therapy or special instruction or OT or whatever service you want to call it, not just during that time, but all throughout the week. So again, um, that that's what I would call that with a parent. All right, let's talk about, too, why we would want to play with toddler strength even when we're supposed to be working on something that's a weakness. And a lot of times the therapist will say to me, why would I do an activity that's not language-based? Why would I want to, want to divert um, therapy time to that. So many of our little friends need a break <laughs> during sessions between things that may be more difficult. Do you know what I'm talking about? And a lot of times we'll say we're going to give them a sensory break or we're going to, again, maybe just let them do something that we might think of as a motivational activity. And again, this is where another therapist might use an app or you might let a kid go over and jump on the trampoline. Or if you're at a home visit, you might let them just kind of check out for a little bit and walk to the door or whatever, that kind of break. These kinds of activities are perfect for that. But let me just tell you, you're still keeping your therapeutic focus and you're still working on important developmental skills. Now, again, you may not have a language component in all of these, although I really kind of beg to differ. I think we're teaching language all the time. Anytime you're talking to a kid, you're teaching language, aren't you? So uh, using these kinds of little games really do meet a kid where they are developmentally uh, and, again, really do let them exercise what's, what's their strength. And so when kids don't understand play that's so heavily language-dependent internally, they may feel frustrated, and again, they may not be able to say to you, I hate this, this is too hard for me, but we certainly know when that's happening and when they feel that way, right? They're trying to run away from you. They're 
they're pitching a fit, they're doing other avoidance kinds of behaviors. And so when we can weave in activities within our therapy sessions that they are naturally good at, because again, a lot of these things are really visually based rather than dependent on words, that's going to that's gonna improve participation and really, again, help them enjoy their time with you. How many of you like to do things that you hate? I mean, that sentence doesn't even make sense, does it? We all do it as adults. You know, you may hate doing the dishes or vacuuming or laundry or you may hate things you have to do with work, with writing reports or whatever, whatever you don't like to do. And as adults, we just learn to do that. But a a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a (laughs) three-year-old, they haven't learned those coping skills yet, right? Their little self-regulatory systems aren't there yet. So again, their little fight-or-flight reaction kicks in and they don't want to do things with us. And so when we can take things that they like and are good at as opposed to something that's so hard and extremely difficult for them, they're more apt to participate. So these simple games, again, really, really encompass that, encompass those strengths, and, again, are more enjoyable because the child feels like, hey, I can do this. This is fun. This is what I like. So many of our toddlers, even those with really significant developmental delays, will understand these activities. Most of these things have a put-it-in, take-it-out component. How many times do toddlers, even typically developing toddlers, spend a lot of time doing that sort of activity? You might even notice this kind of embedded in a more complex play routine. Let's just say that a kid is playing with a kitchen set and he's got his, you know, there's a pretend stove there, the, you know, the big contraptions that we all kind of have when our kids are toddlers, those, those play kitchens. And a lot of times moms will say, you know, he's really playing in the kitchen or she's really, she really likes to cook over there in her little kitchen. But then when we watch a child, what are they really doing? They're really doing a version of put it in, take it out. They're putting all the food in the sink and then they're taking all that food out of the sink and putting it down below in the little, in the cabinet that's there, right? And then mom might have had a basket there and then they transfer all that, all that plastic food or those plastic dishes over to the basket. And then they transfer all those over to the stove. Mom looks at it and says, gosh, she's playing kitchen. She likes that. She's having a lot of fun. But when we really break that down, it's all just put it in, take it out. And so, again, even even kids who look like they're playing at a higher level really still enjoy that basic premise of container play, you know, put it in and then dump it out. So that's why these activities do um, are, are fun for kids, and we, we will find even some of our higher level little friends who will like it just because that that's the skill they're supposed to be learning right now, and that's a predominant activity in this toddler period, regardless of where you are developmentally. Even if you're typically developing, or those of our little friends who are really struggling to meet developmental milestones. All right, let's move on to the second reason that these simple homemade games are beneficial for toddlers, and that's that therapists can use these games for structured teaching. What do I mean by structured teaching? The simplest way for me to, well, let me just start by saying that's a term that was coined by the TEACH program, and that's the autism program 
excuse me, based in North Carolina. If you've never heard of that before, Google it, T-E-A-C-C-H, teach with two C's. And really the whole basis for this program is kids and even adults, teenagers, older people, everyone who, who has an ASD diagnosis is predominantly their, their learning strength is visual. And so we want to give them lots of visual feedback and uh, lots of structured tasks. So again, it's pretty concrete and it's dependent on things that they can see and things that they can do and not so much listening uh, for other people. And lots of um, independent learning happens when you're talking about structured teaching tasks. And if you've never read about that, again, I would so encourage you to do that. So many speech-language pathologists have never heard of this. Um, this last fall when I was in Louisiana in Baton Rouge and I said, have any of you ever done any teach tasks? And you can call it other things. You can call it shoebox tasks or, or tot trays or sometimes, you know, sometimes I think about these as being very Montessori-like activities. But a lot of times it's not the speech-language pathologist that raise their hands that say they know about this. You know who it is? It's our teacher friends, our teacher people, our DIs and our SIs and our DTs, whatever we call the teacher people in our state programs. They know about this, but we SLPs sometimes don't, have never heard of this, and we don't have this as part of our educational background. So you'll need to teach yourself how to do some of these things. And so again, uh, and let me just say, I didn't know about these things either really in this kind of formal organized way until a couple of years ago when I was on a team um, working with, again, there was a DT on the team or DI, an OT, uh, and we had a psychologist on the team. And she's who really introduced teach or structured teaching tasks, visual structured teaching tasks to the entire team. She introduced it to mom and then had some kind of uh, colleague training going on so that she taught us how to use these activities with um, our little guy who was, again, had an ASD diagnosis. So using these kinds of tasks really help a toddler learn important prerequisites that are required for participation in play. The main thing that I think these kinds of activities teach are uh, attention. So getting that attention span really from being about two seconds per activity <laughs> to a minute or two. And don't you have those kids on your caseload that it doesn't matter what you bring out, they only stay with it for a few seconds. And again, these are our most extreme children. These are the children who are the most challenging for us. And that's why sometimes we we look at that and we say he's not paying attention. So this is not a fancy enough toy, or this is not a this is not a high high enough level activity for him. He's bored, guys. So many times we need to go the opposite way. We need to make it simpler or more simple or whatever that word is. We gotta we gotta break it down and again, get it to the developmental level where he can participate. And these little games really really do that. Um, so again, developing that attention span, that, that really is accomplished beautifully in so many of these tasks. And I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll have a little guy who's really struggling to pay attention when we're using really fun toys. And again, I'm doing all my stuff. I'm being the best I can be. I'm totally engaged. I'm playing with him. You know, we've got 
tons of cool things, but nothing's working. He's just moving from activity to activity to activity. And then I'll pull out one of these other really simple activities like pipe cleaners in holes in a container or putting, you know, if it's a seasonal therapy activity, putting some Easter eggs in a muffin pan. And you hear about these things and you think, there is no way that stuff will work. And I promise it does. It does. And if you've never seen it before and if you've never tried it, you're going to be shocked. Because, again, I really had a hard time believing that simple was better, but it really, really is for our guys who are in this um, earliest mental period. Certainly our little guys who are hanging around that 12 to 18-month level really, really benefit from these kinds of activities. But they're appropriate for other other. I've even had, you know, siblings, even four-year-olds who want to do this kind of game when when they see it, if you're doing a home session and you brought these things out. So a wide, wide, wide appeal. Uh, we talked about developing attention. That's one of the prerequisites that we that we for kids to have before they're going to um, have decent play skills. Task completion is another big one. How many times have you started with an activity like potato heads and the kid will only do the hat and the eyes and then he's done. He didn't want any part of completing that face. That, that is too much for him. He is he is not there. Or let's say you have a nine-piece puzzle and you only get through a piece or two of that before the kid is finished. Sometimes breaking a task down and not even breaking it down, structuring the task so that, again, you have some, some visual boundaries and you have things in containers and have it, the task or the play routine set up so that it is really obvious what the kid has to do. And then you have that whole beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes structuring tasks like that really help a child learn how to get from the whole, get through the whole thing from the very beginning all the way through to the end. Because, again, our little friends sometimes struggle with not knowing exactly how to play and exactly what the expectation is. And we can say, you know, until we are blue in the face, come on, you got to finish this, let's sit down, let's do this, come on, no, 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 no. That doesn't work with lots of our little friends. But introducing this kind of simple play, again, at the beginning, you may not be doing um if you, I, I wouldn't even start with the puzzle, but if you you had something um, puzzle-like or where, the, again, the premise is put this piece in this. You may only do a couple of those at the beginning, but over time you're going to be able to increase that complexity because you've set the task up like that. And, again, we'll talk about this as we go, but I just want you to know that's one of the purposes for these kinds of, of activities is really working on those prerequisites, getting a kid to participate, working on that attention span, getting that whole task completion where they can do one whole thing before they move on to that next toy or that next play routine. So again, I love it, love it, love it for those reasons. All right, let's talk about the third reason that we would use simple homemade activities with toddlers. And this is because we're teaching cognitive skills during these kinds of games. And, and what's required for a kid to learn how to talk? What's required for the acquisition of language? Guys, it's always cognition. 
And so many of our little friends who have speech-language delays also exhibit global developmental challenges, and within that, it would be difficulty with learning or their cognitive skills are not where we would want them to be. So working on these kinds of tasks really will improve cognition. Things like discriminating between objects, things like matching, sorting, even higher level things, matching by color, discriminating size, those are all really, really, really important skills that, again, Sometimes we don't think about those as language skills, but kids have to understand those concepts on a concrete level, meaning that what they see with their eyes and in real life, before we can ever make it symbolic, which would mean teaching the words to match those concepts. So we have to think, again, about how we can improve cognition so that we can ever get to the language piece. All right, the fourth reason that these games really, really work it's that they are great diversions. And again, these can be within a therapy session or at home. Um, we've already talked about because these games might be a strength for kids, that we can use them in between activities when they're really, really frustrated and they need a way to kind of calm down and pull it back together and decide that they like you again and they want to keep playing with you. But it's also a good diversion. Let's say during a therapy session um, you have a kid that, or you, you have, let's say you have a mom that you really, really need to be able to talk to about something that's gone on in the session. I'll do this a lot at the end when, say, if there, we have 10 more minutes left in the session and I've talked to mom throughout the session, but I need time just to kind of wrap it up with mom and pull, pull all of our pieces together and so that I can review with her this is what we've done today, this is what worked, this is what didn't work, and this is how I want you to take it home and use it. Sometimes we need our little friends to be occupied <laughs> during that time so that we can really talk to moms, right? Have you had that same situation happen? So these things, after you've introduced these kinds of homemade simple little games, a child can take it and do it on his own. Or let's say it's a task that a kid really, really likes. And you know that he will, this is kind of a default thing for him because he can kind of check out and do it and it's easy for him. But again, that, that a perceived strength for him. Don't you have things that, that you want to have as your checkout activity or your diversion? I, know, I mean, let's talk about social media for that. How many of you <laughs> scroll through your phones looking at Twitter? or Instagram, or Facebook, because that's just your time. That's how you kind of re-regulate and pull it all together. And again, it's your time. Well, some of these little activities will be that way for our little friends. It's when they, when they kind of do their own thing for a little bit. So that's how you can think about it. Moms can certainly think about these activities when they need their child to be occupied with something else while they get something important done, like making a phone call. Or um, let's say they have a they don't want their child in the laundry room with them, and so they're going in there to do the laundry, and and they really need their child to be able to do something. What about even something like going to the bathroom or taking a quick shower? All those things that we need our kids occupied so that we can do something else. So again, mom can use these things at home 
even if she's not really sitting side by side. Now, some of these things aren't going to be appropriate for that because some of them have really small pieces, and anytime we have small pieces, we know those are choking hazards. So we won't always have them where adult supervision is not required, but a lot of times we will. So, again, you can teach a mom how to do these things and how to use these little activities at home. Let's move on to the fifth reason, and this is the final reason, and this, again, I think that if you've been kind of considering whether you want to make some of this stuff or learn how to do it, and you're kind of on the fence with, no, I'm just going to stick to the tried and true and do what I've already done for 10 years or 15 years or whatever, let me just tell you, this might be your tipping point. <laughs> These kinds of homemade activities are great for all of those um, programs that don't want you to take anything into your home again. So you might need, like, you can't take your toy bag. You might not get to take, um, you know, your tried and true therapy materials. Now, again, I hate that because I think novelty sometimes really is, is what will pull a child in. And, you know, I have this beautiful office now and, and get to have all of my best tools at my fingertips at any given moment with every kid I see. But all those years when I worked in the home program, in those home programs, I really, really, really wanted to take my own things. But so many states are changing that rule, and I've heard from therapists that they get in trouble if they take their own toys. I mean, that's kind of been a line drawn in the sand, and they can't even do that anymore. So these kinds of activities are perfect for um, those kinds of therapy sessions where you may just be gathering these materials at a home and teaching mom how to make these. Or if you kind of have a little more leeway, you may be able to take some things and leave it with the family. Or you're bringing some materials in so that you and mom can make these kinds of activities together. And you are training her and you are educating her. You're talking with her while you're making these things. And you're saying, you know, we're doing this and these are our purposes. And this is, these are the skills that we're going to work on. And so let's make this together. And then I'm going to show you, you know, five different ways that you can use the same little game and work on, you know, these three or four different goals. And so, again, it's a super, super, super strategy for you to use if you've never done that before. Now, if you are going to be able to make and take, like you can make the material before you go, I think that's the best possible situation. Or you might have some kind of little prototypes so that you've made your own little games. And you may be giving these to families, or again, you may be showing mom, this is my pipe cleaner game, but this is how, let's talk about how you can make yours. You'll share those ideas. I've given this kind of game away to families because I think it's cheap and, you know, it took me, might have taken me sometimes 10 or 15 minutes to pull these things together. But again, I think it's a nice, um, a nice gesture when you're giving mom some of these materials and then telling her these are some things that, again, you can take at home, you can look at it, or, you know, I'm going to leave it here so that you can see how to make this. You may be picking that back up next week or in a week or two. I mean, there are just tons of ways that you could use it. You could decide what would work for you, whether you're going to leave it, make it, leave it there, Recycle it between families. Uh, again, you can just decide how you would best use those things. Now, we've talked about why. We've spent a good 25 minutes now, 30 minutes, talking about why these things work. I want to now give you some really specific ideas to get started. Now, at teachmetotalk.com, 
I wrote a post about this, and I've already told you. It was published on February 11th. It's about three-quarters of the way down the home page. I believe. Let me look at that real quick for you. If you can get the specific links that I'm about to uh, tell you about, you can just click on those, and you can see exactly um, what these little games look like. Yeah, it's about it's the next to the last post on the home page at teachmeresolve.com. Uh, but if you are not place where you can look at <laughs> a laptop or your phone or however you access teachmetotalk.com, you're at the gym right now or you're walking or whatever it is, you, the crazy things that the people tell me they do while they listen to the podcast, let me just describe some of these. And again, if you want to go to the post, you can go straight to the link and click on them. But for those of you who are not able to do that right now, I still want to leave you with these ideas. Now, messforless.net has a great article that's 10 best loved toddler activities. And she has such cute pictures with um, these kinds of things. And you can take a look at what some of those are there. Her first one is a pipe cleaner activity. And I'll just tell you, if you have bought any of teachmetotalk.com's therapy guides, I had two about Christmas last year, two about winter and Valentine's Day, uh, where these kinds of activities are really highlighted. And I'm getting ready to offer an Easter therapy guide, which I hope will be ready to be launched on Monday. And there's a pipe cleaner activity in there. So how could you use a pipe cleaner activity? At Mess for Less, she's gotten a colander and just giving her child some pipe cleaners, and her child is able to put the pipe cleaner in one hole in the colander and then in the other hole. Now, can you see how this would be a great activity to teach a mom so that she can have her child with her while she's cooking dinner, while she's in there doing the dishes, whatever she's doing in there, folding laundry? She's got those materials already available. She pulls the colander out, pulls her pipe cleaners out, she sets her kid up, and they're ready to go. So that would be a great one. From a language perspective, we know all the things we can teach with this kind of activity. Certainly, we're going to teach prepositions where we're talking about in and out. If you're an OT or a developmental therapist, you are really looking at those fine motor skills when you are doing an activity that involves anything with pincer grasp or um, that index finger isolation if the child is pushing that pipe cleaner through that hole, anything like that. So the colander is a cute way to do pipe cleaners. I have made some pipe cleaner toys where I've done it really simply, uh, where I've just taken a, a container, something I've recycled with a lid, and Johnny is so great about anytime I hand him a container and say, I need one hole or I need four holes, you know, he's got that drill ready to go and just drills those holes for me. Uh, and I've done those pipe cleaner activities with that. You can make a color matching activity, but again, don't get so wigged out on I have to teach the colors with it because just I, I've had a lot of kids that just really have enjoyed putting the pipe cleaners in the holes, again, where there's nothing else other than just get the pipe cleaner in the hole. But you can make it a little bit more complicated and do the color matching component if you have a white lid on top and you can color around the hole that you've drilled. Uh, you can certainly do some matching with that as well. If you're really pressed for time or really cheap or both, <laughs> T 
do it with a Parmesan cheese container. And again, parents might have some of that just kind of laying around. So ask them about that. And the, the great thing about the Parmesan cheese container is it already has a pre-drilled hole on that one side, you know, where you sprinkle out the cheese. And you can do it that way. Or for your little guys that have either huge motor skill delays, their fine motor skills aren't where we want them to be, or our little guys with visual perceptual issues or just plain old vision issues they can't see, as well as as we would want their little eyes to uh, work, you can use the other side of that where it's a bigger hole and you're just you're again your goal is to get the pipe cleaner in there and think about again how many go how many skills have we worked on there we've got the fine motor component we have the cognitive component where a kid takes the whole little pipe cleaner and pushes it in the hole that's a cognitive skill right he's making that happen he understands that whole process I mean think about the whole the the three big milestones there object permanence cause and effect and simple problem solving we have all of components of all of those cognitive skills in that one really simple therapy activity so that's certainly one um, other cute ideas that she has at mesforless.net that you can see her there lots of sorting opportunities so she has some pom-poms there some colored pom-poms and her child is sorting those and matching by color there's an ice tray there that had so that the child can you know again sort and put one pom-pom in each individual ice tray if you want to make it a little more difficult you can give a child a tool to do that what do I mean by that for those of you who are moms and are listening you're thinking tools does she mean a screwdriver and a hammer no I'm <laughs> just meaning any kind of object that a child would use to accomplish a task. So a tool for this kind of activity might be a spoon so that he's using the spoon to pick up the little ball, the little pom-pom, and transfer it or dump it in um, the container with the holes. And again, it might be an ice tray. It might be a muffin pan. It might be a box that you have modified to have different little slots. It might be an egg carton and lots of materials that you have laying around your kitchen already would be fine for this kind of activity. You could use a spoon for that. You might use tongs. Kitchen tongs are fun. You could have a kid set of tongs. If, you, if you're a therapist, I hope that you already have that, again, kind of in your bag of tricks somewhere. And even if you're not supposed to take that those toys in, certainly you can stick a pair of tongs in your pocket and that'll be okay, won't it? So take that on in and uh, show mom how to do those kinds of activities. Um, other things that she has, and again, you can make those tasks uh, matching, a matching component by just cutting out a piece of colored paper and putting it in the bottom of whatever container you're using. If you're using an egg carton, you can color that hole there so that a kid can be sure to match. So cute, cute ideas at mesforless.net, and again, that, um, link is right there within the article at teachmanchild.com. All right, let me get to the second um, link and show you here. My computer is not cooperating with me. The next little set of activities are from Happy Hooligans. And if you've never been to that website, oh my goodness, it is so cute. She's got a lot of sensory-related activities on there. 
this particular article says fine motor activities for babies and toddlers. And again, you can take a look at some of those really cute activities. She has some popsicle sticks and her child is putting sticks in different shaped, different shaped containers. So she's got like a really open mayonnaise jar there, I think it looks like, and then the other one looks like a Gatorade jar. I have used corks from wine <laughs> uh, and champagne for that kind of thing too. And again, modifying your or changing the jar or the container that you're using really will require different fine motor skills. And if you don't understand that, call your best OT friend so that she can talk about all of that motor grading that children have to use. And again, sometimes they're going to have to use a little pincer grasp to pick up those materials. Sometimes it's going to be a more uh, a bigger kind of grasp. And again, different visual perceptual skills because the opening for the container would be different. So look at that. Oh, gosh, I didn't realize she had cork drop on there, too. She certainly does. So look at those activities um, to give yourself some better ideas there. Other um, websites that I have there, um, Easy First Games. And actually, you know what? This one is, was from a Therapy Tip of the Week video that I did in 2012. So take a look at that Therapy Tip of the Week um, all the way back at the be beginning when I first started with uh, using those little videos. If you've never watched Therapy Tip of the Week, let me tell you what that's about. It's me taking a topic or a toy, or it usually is a toy, and showing you different kinds of therapy ideas or different kinds of therapy activities that you can use with one toy. And I might have some things that we can work on with receptive language skills, meaning how a child understands language. Or I'm going to give you some ideas for expressive skills. For some of these things, like with Easy First Games, we're talking about that fine motor piece and the cognitive piece. And again, all of these prerequisite skills. So take a look at those Therapy Tip of the Week videos. I did a lot of those in 2012. In 2013, we got really busy, opened our new office, and traveled a lot more, spoke in some new states, so I didn't get as many done in 2013 as I did in 2012. Well, Therapy Tip of the Week is back for 2014, and last week we relaunched that feature. And last week's Therapy Tip of the Week video fits and beautifully with today's topic, if you haven't watched it yet, it's making a variety of ribbon toys so that a child can practice the pincer grasp. And again, it's not pincher grasp. I hear a lot of people mispronounce that word. Um, it's pincer. And, and that really means, for those of you who are not therapists, for those of you who are moms, it's when a child uses their index finger and their thumb together to pick up really small items. Sometimes we'll see babies do this. And again, they need this skill. They need it to self-feed if they're using, if they're eating something like um, macaroni and cheese and they're still doing it with their little fingers or any little vegetable that they may be eating. You'll see a nice, a, a Cheerio would be a good example of a food that a child would need a pretty decent pincer grasp to be able to pick up. And for those of you who are speech pathologists, you you may not have thought about this before, and you may be thinking, why does she think I'm going to work on fine motor? I am not the OT. I am not the, the DI. What does she mean here? Guys, 
our kids need to learn these skills and they need to learn them in the appropriate developmental sequence. And tensor grasp always comes before pointing. And we know why pointing is important. It's communicative, right? It's that early gesture where kids start to show their moms what they want even when they can't say it. Or they, it's a great joint attention um, gesture where they're showing mom something. They want her to look. And again, a huge, huge, huge cognitive milestone and, and communicative milestone when children start to point. But so many of our little guys aren't ready and we go straight to pointing without really thinking, gosh, they're not ready yet because they don't even have a decent pincer grasp. So by introducing these kinds of activities, by showing mom, by teaching mom, by helping her work on these things when we're not there, we're really treating the whole child. And again, we're meeting a child where he already is developmentally and then moving the child on to um, the goals that we're, that we think uh, we're really working towards. So Take a look at that therapy tip of the week, the one from last week about ribbons, and then uh, I have the link for the one in 2012. If you um, have not seen that yet, take a look at that. I also want to talk about the best resource for getting these ideas, and it's from Pinterest. I talk a lot about Pinterest. That's one of my kind of checkout activities, even though when I'm on Pinterest, I usually end up working because I find so many things that I like that are great ideas for um, therapy sessions. But if you're not doing Pinterest for work, if you are only doing it to plan a wedding or a party or a wardrobe or redecorate your house or whatever, you are really missing out if you're not using that for work. If you don't follow teachmetotalk.com on Pinterest already, I hope now you will. I have tons of boards on there. Now, they are not always the most organized. (laughs) I need to really take a day and go through those darn Pinterest boards and, again, organize them a little bit better. But the link that I provided in the post that we're talking about today, you know, five reasons that we should use homemade simple ideas. It takes you straight to cognitive ideas for toddlers. And so many cute, 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 cute therapy ideas are on there uh, for you to take a look at. And again, you'll recognize some of these activities because a lot of times I'll post one here on Pinterest and then I'll do a therapy tip of the week about it or I'll include it in a therapy guide. And so take a look at these kinds of things. You're just going to get tons and tons and tons of ideas. And I I just want to beg you, if you're working in a home program that they don't really want you to take toys in anymore, this is what you need to be doing. These are the kinds of activities that you need to be teaching yours. You may end up printing some of these things directly from Pinterest. You know, it will take you to the post, and then you can print yourself some pictures and stuff so that you can remember activity or so that you can even show mom the activity. A lot of therapists recommend to moms that these, um, you know, moms who are so into technology anyway, they'll say follow teachmetotalk.com on Pinterest and these are the boards that have activities that would be great for your kid. I'll tell you that I've made some individual boards for individual children before. There's one board that I have um, here on Pinterest that says, For My Little Friend, 
And that started out for the little guy that I told you about earlier, that we were doing some teach activities because the psychologist said, you know, this would be a great treatment strategy for him. And mom needed some help with some new activities. The psychologist had shown her a few. But she, and this was, you know, again, several years ago before Pinterest got really, really, really big. And I started pinning them, and she started pinning them. And so, again, it was a great, great resource for us to be able to pull that together. If you're not on Pinterest and you think, I do not want to start something new here, I do not have time to add one more new thing that I have to do, you could just really Google anything like uh, teach, T-E-A-C-C-H, to get some of these ideas, or Google something even like homemade toddler activities, or Google or Bing or whatever your search engine happens to be, <laughs> um, shoebox activities. That's another pretty big one that people um, trace, T-O-T and then trace. And so many blogger mommies have really gotten into these activities. So you can find great, great, great ideas there. Read through a couple. And I promise, let me just tell you, after you've started making some of these things, and even if you look at something, say, like for Halloween, don't dismiss it. Don't say, well, it's spring. I'm not going to look at those Halloween things because that's fall and that's not relevant to me. It's the same idea. Once you understand the theory, once you understand how to put together some of these kinds of specific activities, you can change your material. You can make it, you know, again, I told you that the therapy guide that I'm releasing next 25 different Easter activities to use with toddlers. But so many of those games are are really just changing out the material from ideas that I might have used for Valentine's Day or the wintertime or Christmas or Halloween. You can learn the basics or learn how to set these activities up and then go to Dollar Tree every three or four months and make a whole new round of activities based on those same um, ideas. And it does become a little bit addictive. And, again, I love it, especially if you have always really relied on commercial uh, toys or, again, if you've just been going to a family's house and just playing with whatever you can find laying around. You know, sometimes that's frustrating. Sometimes, you know, all the puzzle pieces aren't there. Or mom says they have Play-Doh, but it's, you know, dried up or, you don't have very much to play with or very much to do. Once you learn how to make some of these things and kind of get your creative brains flowing a little, you'll be able to think on the fly a little bit more and, and plan. And, again, you might figure out, well, pipe cleaners are something that my families aren't going to have, so I'm going to go to Dollar Tree and spend two bucks and pick up, you know, 200 pipe cleaners and have these available out in my car when I need to show mom how to make some of these activities. Or pom-poms, you know, those little colored ball things. Or whatever your little craft material happens to be. And once you look through some of these sites and get yourself some ideas, you'll be able to do that on your own. And we'll be able to come up with different versions and different um, little tweaks. You know, you might have a child who oh, is obsessed with the color blue. And so you're thinking, gosh, you know, that's not really a functional word, but he loves it and he talks about it and mom loves it. So you might think, well, I'm going to take every kind of blue little craft material I can find today and we're going to figure out some activities to do with this. And you can be 
even pretty, um, you know, show mom how to expand the language with activities like that. You know, you have your blue ball for the blue pom-poms or you have the blue stick for the pipe cleaner or the blue whatever. And so, again, don't think, gosh, I can't turn that into actual activity because you can. You've just got to have some ideas and be able to think of that and, again, kind of think on your feet and plan at least a little bit and have maybe some basic skills available to you so that, again, you can take what a family already has and make it even better and show mom how to do um, these kinds of activities. All right, so we are nearly to the end of this hour. I hope that I have convinced you to try some of these things i would just love to hear your feedback about this if you want to and again comments we don't have that in a couple of weeks you'll be able to leave me a comment right at teachmetotalk.com but if you're on facebook or if you're on twitter please uh, send me feedback about the show or if you want to email me directly at laura at teachmetotalk.com i would absolutely love to hear your best homemade activity and what you've had good luck with. And if you haven't done that yet and if you want to see some more specific ideas or you need uh, somebody to walk you through step by step by step how to make these, I will help you. I have some great therapy guides that will teach you how to do it. And look for the new Easter therapy guide to come out uh, hopefully on Monday next week. Today is the 20th, so that would be the 24th. So take a look at teachmetotalk.com next week for that. If you're on Facebook, you can always find teachmetotalk.com on Facebook. And, again, I'm trying to do Twitter more, so tweet me out there. Tweet me any feedback. I'd love, love, love to hear from you. Speaking of that, speaking of Twitter, a couple of weeks ago, a speech pathologist named Susan Eason had a wonderful tweet about bubbles. And I'm paraphrasing it now, but she said something like, you see your child playing bubbles, I see your child initiating, reaching, you know, demonstrating joint attention, vocalizing. And so she had all of these great skills there. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is an excellent tweet. So I favorited it, and Susan and I kind of talked back and forth. And, again, that's I, I want to start kind of the tweet of the week. Susan, you're our initial tweet of the week. I also, because of that, did a new therapy tip of the week, which, again, remember those are those free little videos. And the one on bubbles that's inspired by Susan's tweet hopefully will be up tonight. So if you're not listening live, this is March 20th. So take a look at um, therapy tip of the week for this week so that you can get those really fun ideas for using bubbles. All right. That's all for this week for the show. Again, I would absolutely love to hear from you. I love to hear from podcast listeners especially. If you're a therapist, if you're not, drop me a line. I, I hope to hear from you. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye-bye.